Good morning, and please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. God gifts us with this new day and bids us enter into joyous relationship. This is the day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord enlightens our world and blesses our Palm Sunday festive procession. We enter this holy week knowing there is much darkness awaiting our journey. We confess that our hosannas are temporary. We claim to love God, and yet we have acted unloving toward God's world. We ask for forgiveness. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. We take consolation that our Good Friday darkness will be eclipsed by God's Easter Sunday light. Let us lift our voices in gratitude to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this festive day, on this Palm Sunday. Somebody told me on the way in that this is their favorite day of the year, the celebration of Palm Sunday. So welcome to those of you who are guests, uh, the members that are here. There is on the edge of the order of service a place where you can uh, take note uh, if you're a guest today. Also, if you have a prayer request, feel free to make that. Drop it in the offering plate uh, when it's passed. Well, there's nothing like starting worship by our children's choir singing. Singing a song of hosannas accompanied by chimes and solos that speak of look at who's coming. We see him riding on a donkey. So welcome to the worship of God and our children will welcome us as well. Jesus of 
can it be? Is it he entering the city? Can it be? Is it he? God's steadfast love endures forever. A reading from the Psalms. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. So let Israel say, God's steadfast love endures forever. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and God has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. For God's steadfast love endures forever. Here ends the first lesson. Let's say our prayers. God, we imagine who proclaimed the psalm we just heard and read. And of course, we are they. We're gathered, bumfuzzled a little bit this rainy morning, but gathered nonetheless. 
and in need of your saving way in our lives and in our world. We shout it, squeak it, and sometimes with too much frustration to believe it. Today, we shape our voices with a common hope. Hosanna, Savior, save us. Hurrah, there is hope. Today, we process and wave our branches with an extra spurt of courage to sustain us. Because all around our country, students invited us to join in the March for Our Lives procession. And we are grateful for our own J.B. in Virginia, Daniel and Sid, who joined the festal procession for sensible gun laws that will literally save lives and maybe the spiritual life of our country. There have been many processions for Northside drivers and her whole community, congregants who we have and will always love, as we have joined in their funeral processions, those of Gordon Davis, John Bell, and Louise Davis, those processions to the hospital with the screeches that accompany broken hips and pneumonia on the one hand, and the glad screeches of our newborn children, like West Eleanor Blaisdell, on the other. We are grateful. God, stir up our hope to enjoin our profession of faith to the processions it mandates, those processions that will and may help heal the world, transform festering anger, to festal love, even for a moment. And as the gospel lesson will tell us in a few moments, help us look for the places where your donkey or colt is tied up, right there in plain view, ready, ready to be untied and carry your justice life all the way through death to resurrection. As you ask two of the disciples, you ask us simply, go and bring the colt, because you need it, and you need us to help make it happen. And God, before we go about doing any of it, teach us to pray as you taught your disciples together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here ends the second lesson. This time I'd ask the children to come forward. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning on this Palm Sunday. And that was fun, wasn't it, coming in with palms and processing around? Isn't that great to march in like that? I brought a little friend with me. I'm not sure who this friend is. He, he doesn't really look like a, yeah, kind of like a horsey. Yeah, he wants to be a donkey. I'm not sure he's a donkey, but he's getting close. All the donkeys were busy this morning, so I took the closest one that volunteered. And you know why we have a donkey? Does anybody know why we have a donkey on Palm Sunday? It's because, well, why not? Yes, because Jesus came to Jerusalem on a baby donkey, on a colt, just on the back of a little donkey. I'm going to show you some pictures and put my friend down. Can you hold my friend for me? Thank you. Jesus came to Jerusalem, and you know they had palm trees back then. Can you see the palm tree in the picture? Yeah? And that's why we had palms when we processed in, because when Jesus came to Jerusalem, they took the palm trees, all the people who were greeting him, and waved them. Then they put them on the ground for him to walk on. They also put their cloaks and garments. But cloak Sunday doesn't sound very cool. So we call it Palm Sunday. Jesus came to this earth in a very unusual way, though. You know that Jesus came when he, when he was first born? He was born in a what? What's this? He was born in a manger, right? He wasn't born in the Ritz-Carlton, was he? He was born in a manger. And when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, there was a king there named King Caesar, and he probably would have come in on a big white stallion like this, Right? On a horsey, that's right. But Jesus actually came in on a donkey. And Caesar would have had a big crown with jewels on it, right? Cost lots of money, had an insurance policy on it, maybe. But they gave him a crown of thorns instead, right? Yikes, right? Jesus came in a very different way than King Caesar because he wasn't about worldly power and lording it over other people. Jesus came to serve. And so we greet him this morning by saying Hosanna, which means save us. 
we greet Jesus, and in a week it'll be Easter, and we will celebrate on Easter, won't we? Let's celebrate today by welcoming Jesus into our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to this world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Triumphal Entry of Christ, a reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village that is ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. Now, if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? So they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. 
Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and Jesus sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These are soul-trying times, aren't they? I mean, if, if you keep up, if you watch any of the news, it's almost like uh, our souls break by the end of the day. Or we start with the headlines, and it seems as if they evoke either anger that is hopeless or apathy that is hapless. Either way, it's tough to care passionately over the long haul, at least it is for me. I kind of wonder how God has managed to do that all these years. On this Palm Sunday, though, it's a festive Sunday. The children have helped make it so. The text helps make it so. So I'm going to suggest on this Palm Sunday we take a, take a break, a Sabbath from the uh, burden of the big picture that weighs on our hearts and souls. We're going to let God fret about the big picture for an hour, and the rest of us can take an, an antidote to enjoy the text and imagine a day in the life of donkey fetchers. Now, years ago, I came across an article in the Christian Century. It was written by Tom Long, and it was that title, Donkey Fetchers. It was an aha for me because it spoke to something that's puzzled me about this story that's in all four Gospels, although in John it's a little bit different, of why in the world the Gospel writers wanted to devote so much copy space to this thing about a donkey. As the text today says, colt, all about the same thing. Why in, in the ten verses, like in Mark's Gospel today, and the whole Gospel of Mark could fit on the front page of a newspaper, whole Gospel, why would he devote out of ten verses about Palm Sunday that seven of them are about the donkey? Doesn't seem like a good use of space to me. I've wondered what that's about. But Tom Long gave me the idea that it may be about it may be about making peace with my small world and my small importance in it, but in God's big important world, maybe that that's what I can do. Maybe that I can be a donkey fetcher. It's not my destiny, maybe, to die on a cross or to raise anybody from the dead or heal the sick, but maybe even on my worst day, maybe on your worst day, at least we can be donkey fetchers, for God's sake. Two things about that. Here's the first. 
To me, the text uh, seems to say that the ordinary is God's hangout, that God has ordained the ordinary. Did you hear that story that Liz read a moment ago? Uh, All of the, the drama of Jesus topping the hill, probably around the Mount of Olives, at least in some of the gospel accounts, looks and sees the city or they're near another village as the Uh, proximity of Jerusalem nears. And then he goes into all this detail. Now, I want to send two of you, and you're going to go and get this donkey. And when you get there, you might find him tied to the gate, to door, watch for the donkey, get the donkey. But if somebody asks you, why are you getting the donkey? You tell them that the master needs the donkey, and they'll give you the donkey and go. And so they go. Then the narrator repeats the whole thing. And so they go, and there they find, at the doorway, near the gate, a donkey tethered there. They start to get the donkey. People come up and say, why are you taking that donkey? And they go, well, the master has need of it. And they go, okay, we'll bring it back. And they go take Jesus the donkey. That's, that's 70% of the text is about that story. I don't guess there's really anything unusual about it. Maybe that's the point, because God has ordained the ordinary. Now, you heard that there are two two disciples that Jesus sends. Did you catch their names? You did not catch their name because they are not mentioned. But if you had had to guess, who would you guess which two might end up? I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess that it's James and John. I'm going to guess that it's James and John because these brothers were always debating on which one's the greatest, right? They're arguing on the way which one's the greatest. In in one gospel account, their mama gets in on the argument. Their mama lobbying Jesus. Would you put one of my boys on the right and the other on the left? Well, if I were Jesus and I needed somebody to go fetch a donkey... I would pick James and John. You want to do something great? I need, I need a volunteer. They step forward. They're thinking, this is it. Right and left. He's bringing in the kingdom. Jesus says, I need you to go fetch a donkey. I can imagine they complain the whole time. James to John, John to James. John says, we left our fishing boats for this. James says to John, you know, Jesus said that he was going to make us fishers of men, not fetchers of donkeys. They complained the whole way. I guess had not learned the lifelong lesson that God seems to be most present when it comes to donkey dealings. When you think about it, there are a lot of Bible stories. We've done some in Tolliver County about the ministry of the mundane, the routines, the small rituals, the pieces of life that have healing power. I think in the Old Testament, when Naaman, uh, the Syrian warlord who had leprosy, was dying of it, was told by a Hebrew slave girl, you ought to go see Elisha the prophet. And so he comes with the chariots and money and military might, And the prophet Elijah doesn't even come out to see him. He's disappointed, Naaman is, and how the 
prophet responded. I want healing. The prophet sends out word, go duck seven times in the muddy Jordan. Naaman was wanting something a little more extraordinary than that. Pawed the ground, snorted a while, and said, Are not the rivers of uh, this country better than the river of Israel? And then the slave girl says, Well, he's only asked something of you ordinary. Why don't you go do it? And so he does. One, two, three, four. Finally, the seventh time, I bet he fussed the whole time. But on the seventh time, he comes out clean. It was almost like he couldn't believe spiritual healing comes through ordinary ways. Or later this week, on Monday, Thursday, we'll read that cryptic text about Jesus girding himself with a towel, takes a bowl with water, and washes the disciples' feet. I mean, here's the same Jesus that Susan read about in Philippians 2, this hymn of the pre-existent Christ who, before the world was made, entered the world that was made and took upon himself the form of a servant. Yeah, yeah, the New Testament will not let us forget that Jesus washed the disciples' feet on the, in the most mundane way and forget not that Jesus among those feet washed Judas's and Simon Peter's, the one who would deny him and the one who would betray him. An ordinary act with extraordinary significance for God's sake. But of course you know about this, right? To live in a life of a uh, Christian is to live believing that God is in the ordinary. You've done it. You do it every day. You will do it today. You'll put the kids to bed, sometimes unwashed, at the end of a long day because the day has just filled up too quickly. Or you've changed the paraments to make sure they're right. Or you fill the oil candles for worship. I remember when Ken Davis used to be one of our ushers and kept this place moving, and uh, we had wax candles, tall wax candles up here. I would see many a Sunday of him standing in a choir chair, reaching with a lighter to light these candles. If you have not tried to light these candles, you have missed out on an experience. You need a flamethrower and a stepladder to get it done. It's fetching a donkey, but it's important to us. Or just imagine helping the children choir, children's choir get in and get out of those choir robes. Houdini couldn't do that. You help make that happen. You meet with the nominating committee early on Sunday morning. You think and call and pray and discern. As usual, the duties of death tend to be done by the women. Some of you men helped set up Fellowship Hall two weeks ago. But mainly it was the women who made sure the tablecloths were in place and the punch ladles were at the right position. I used to think that things like this happened by the shoemaker's elves, but it's not. It's by women and men who intentionally come early and stay late. There are flowers to be fetched and then to be toted to folk in the community. Small things donkey fetchers. One of the endearing stories that uh, was told about Daniel Hedrick on his way here as uh, 
Jack Gwynn uh, was leading us toward a time of call, uh, he would often say, it's not his education, it's not his, ca his calling, it's not his sense of piety, but Daniel is an amateur skunk hunter. And Jack gave him an honorary skunk for his office when he arrived. Sometimes following Jesus even involves that, for God's sake. You've sent thank you cards to people you've loved. You've helped the Zeta family, a refugee family who has adopted us. You've come to choir practice in the dead of night because you are not a church customer. You are a choir member. You are committed. All this is just donkey fetching, but these are small actions that does not go unnoticed by a great big God. First thing is God ordains the ordinary, and you donkey fetchers know that. Here's the second thing. We all have small walk-on parts in God's big story arc. Marcus Borg, a New Testament scholar, says that there were likely two parades on that Palm Sunday. The one that Jesus was in, coming in from the east, riding the donkey, and the one that Pilate was in, coming in the western side, riding a big high horse with wealth, with military might. The people looked to Jesus to see if he might be the one, but would he be the one riding in like Zechariah, the prophet said, on a donkey? They were watching for a fiery horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty, hi Yahweh, uh, away. The Messiah is here, and the Messiah was there, but he was invisible because he was riding on a donkey. He was part of a protest march, says Marcus Borg. He was saying, enough is enough, and God is enough. Yesterday's march for lives around the country and down at the Capitol uh, was in this same tradition. J.B. and Virginia and Sid, and I heard Kay was in on it as well, brought voice. Who else? Who are you pointing to? Karen Massey. <laughs> it, anybody else here? And Daniel? And Caitlin Cook for, well, where were the rest of you? If all of these people are in it, that's pretty good. That's a choir. It's not just bringing a voice it is bringing voices about what matters. Thank you all. Rilke, the poet, said, The tasks that have been entrusted to us are often difficult. Almost everything that matters is difficult. And everything matters, he said. This week, Liz and I watched again Driving Miss Daisy. I heard from Triple E this past week that there was that scene where... She uh, goes, that is, Miss Daisy goes to the Atlanta meeting where MLK is honored for his Nobel Peace Prize. I'd forgotten that. So we rewatched re it. So it shows the look on Miss Daisy's face and Hoke's face, who sits out in the car because she invited him too late and not really inviting him. But overlaid were the words of King. We will have to repent in this generation, he says, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people,
but for the appalling silence of the good people. All of you folk that seemed like a good bunch of you did not participate in the silence. You spoke out. Yesterday's pall of silence was stripped away, and the voice of common sense spoke volumes. Thank you. Maybe the writers are up to something here, taking our small parts in God's big story arc and amplifying it into liturgy. I mean, after all, when, when you tell the story, it sounds sort of ceremonial to me. I mean, the writers go out of their, their way to say, and there was a donkey to be brought which had never been ridden. Now, frankly, I don't want to get on a donkey at all, but I sure don't want to get on one that's never been ridden. Uh, that wouldn't work out well. But maybe the writer is saying there's something of ceremony here. How was it that the rituals were conducted Ah, yes, with animals that were without flaw or blemish. The way it's back and forth, and he said, and they said, and back and forth, sounds like a litany that children would say on a kind of Palm Sunday so that they realize that they're part of the story too. Ritual, ceremony, transports the story forward from the first century all the way to the 21st century and connects us with it. John Muir, the naturalist, explorer, eco-theologian said, when we try to pick out anything by itself, we find that it is hitched to everything else in the universe. It is hitched to everything else in the universe. These small tasks, these invisible things that you do for God's sake, hitch the universe together. Now by nightfall, this burden of the big picture, I'm sure will be back on your shoulders. And thinking about all the peculiar and weird stuff that's going to happen in the world that we shake our heads at. But you'll remember this week the high calling of being a donkey fetcher that comes in ridden by a subversive Savior. And maybe even as you lead the donkey this week that you can imagine a place at the end of time where Jesus will look at you and say, I recognize you. I know your fingerprints. I saw them on the bridle of the donkey. Amen.
It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to discipleship is given. For us to join in on the parade, to join in on the part of Holy Week that makes its journey all the way to the cross and the tomb. By the end of Palm Sunday, it is transformed into Passion Sunday as we look at the shadow of the cross before. That's what we'll sing about, and we'll do so by standing and singing. each time we gather, we bring our concerns and our celebrations, and I bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, First, some announcements. As you know, we are entering into Holy Week, so I wanted to remind you of the schedule. There'll be Monday, Thursday at 645 in the chapel. 
looking forward to delightful music by our choir and for uh, a meaningful time of worship together uh, to enter into Good Friday, which this year will be from 12 until 2. And if you look on the back of your order of worship, it has Holy Week services with all this information, and it has the list of the congregation members who will be giving homilies at that time. So you'll know the time. You can come for the whole time or come and go as you please from 12 to 2 on Friday. Of course, Easter Sunday is coming. Easter Sunday, 11 a.m., worship as always, followed at 12.15 by our Easter egg hunt, hoping for good weather. Now, some of you may notice as you leave, I have a little glitter on my hands. That's from all the glitter eggs that I've been handling, filling with the children this week, so you may see some sparkling eggs in the grass. I find it's easier to locate the candy I want that way. Please continue bringing in the eggs and filling them with uh, delicious chocolate, but no nuts, please. Thank you. We have a celebration to announce. Uh, Our very own Caitlin Cook-Fur is engaged to her fiancé, Peter. So congratulations, Caitlin. We rejoice with you. As you know, many of our families in our congregation continue to struggle with challenges, recovering from illness, dealing with grief. We lift them all up in prayer this week. As we enter Holy Week, the song you're about to hear, Prepare the Royal Highway by Kenneth Koch, helps us prepare by reminding us that God's rule is one of peace, freedom, justice, truth, and love. Let us welcome that God as we continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
All-loving God, we give thanks for the children's song that spoke of hosannas abounding. And we give thanks for the choir song that speaks of kindness that is so astounding. Bless us as we come this day giving tithes and offerings that give testimony of our love for you. May we be strengthened to do the mundane pieces of ministry that is never too small to be a part of your great story. Bless and heal us all Holy Week long. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as you prepare now to go into Holy Week, remember, may the strength of Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. And may the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.